0: Hi, and welcome to <laughs> Attendance Questions. I'm Dr. Sam Hamilton. Today, I'm joined by jo- Dr. Laura Yordi. Dr. Yorta, y- excuse me. Dr. Yordi is an associate professor of philosophy and religion and the chair of the philosophy and religion department at Bridgewater College, where she teaches courses in environmental ethics, religious ethics, ethics and identity, religions, and nature. She received her PhD from re- in religion from Duke University. And as with Dr. Albers, I've promised to not hold that against her. Uh, Her research focuses on eco-justice only because of Mike Krzyzewski. That's the only reason, Laura. Um, Anyway, so her research focuses on eco-justice, environmental refugees, virtue ethics, Christianity and ecology, and her book, Green Witness, Ecology, Ethics, and the Kingdom of God, argues that Christians can and should work for the wholeness of the biophysical environment because God always welcomes and makes good use of faithful discipleship. Laura, thanks very much for agreeing to join me today. Uh, Thank you. Before we get started, I just wanted to let you know that I have rescued all of my dry erase markers uh, so that when we are able to return to campus, they'll be there in my office for you to steal from me.
1: Do you know that one of my summer projects is to figure out a chic, well, somewhat chic carrying system for dry erase markers. Oh, nice. Um, so I'm thinking of some sort of crossbody small basket.
0: Like one of the, um, I think of the of the time maybe like one of those bandoliers things, you know I think a
1: bandolier would be great, but I think that might be too much for my execution skills um,
0: I think that'd be that'd be i that'd be excellent. I like the idea of having um you know trying to come up this this is a very teacher problem to have is how do I figure out how to carry all i mean we I guess we could just bring bags, but that's ridiculous. why would we bring bags but yeah, I like well, the idea I've
1: done a sort of little tiny gift bag, but that just looks silly. Um, (laughs) You know, I have enough silliness going on. I don't need to add to it.
0: All right. Well, and I like, uh, of course, once we get this problem figured out, they will have replaced all of the whiteboards with some other surface that we have to write on. That's
1: right. Or we'll be in enough um, financial stability so that they can leave the markers in the room for us.
0: Yeah, well, uh, you know, I've been fetching a pretty penny for the ones that I've been stealing from that room on the on the black market. There, you know, I I, I steal them from you and I sell them to Nancy. So, um, oh,
1: okay, <laughs> that works. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, there you go. Well, we could set up a little a little uh, um, some type of of, of of dry erase marker and and chalk, uh, uh, black market undercurrent for the for the, all of our Bowman Hall uh, colleagues and whatnot. You know, we got to go to. The, I did get some really nice chalk the other day, and we, I can give you the hookup if you need it. So.
1: I have asked my students toward the end of the semester if any of them have interesting ideas for what to do with chalk stubs, and no one has come up with them. I know crayons, you can melt them together and do stuff. I don't know what you can do with chalk.
0: I think that you could, You maybe we could grind it up and give it to um, the, the gyms on campus, because I think, you know, as somebody, I lift weights, and so you always chalk up your hands before you you, you go and you hit the, you know, pick up a barbell or something like that. So maybe we could do that. Maybe. We okay. Could that.
1: Well, I have a kid who's a weightlifter, so I'll just go. pass them to him. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, good.
0: Oh, well, look at that. Solving problems. So, <laughs> uh, so Laura, one of the big topics of your work, and I was, as, as I was doing my research is I, I came across a term that I had never seen before, and I'm very interested in it, is green discipleship. Oh, like I said, I hadn't heard of this term before, and I'd like to know more about it. What is green discipleship and why is it important?
1: Okay, well, um, you probably haven't heard it because I basically made it up. Cool. Um, And what, I mean, different people have different terms that mean roughly the same thing. That is that to be a faithful Christian includes being faithful to God's desires for the universe and the planet on which we live. So discipleship is not just a matter of your relationship with God, your relationship with other people, it's also about your relationship with the biophysical community that we live in. Um, And discipleship is a term that catches the ear of a lot of Christians because they understand disciples, who the disciples were, what it means to be a disciple. So this is a way of kind of hooking that into um, a somewhat enlarged understanding of the good life.
0: Is it, I mean, so, so there's an obligation in, in the concept of, of dominionship and of, of sort of having dominion over the, or is, is that, I mean, is this, is this coming from, from, from scripture? Or is this it something is coming
1: you... from scripture, but one of the interesting things is that there are lots of places in scripture that talk about human relationship with land, human relationship with creatures. Oh, you've gone black. I know.
0: Oh, okay, sorry. That's fine, we can still hear you just fine.
1: I bumped my keyboard there. Oh, okay. Um, But the one that gets so often seized upon is that little bit in Genesis. And of course, the word dominion. So, There are a couple of things to respond to contextualize that. One is to pull out all the other places in scripture that talk about um, humans and land being both in subject to God um, and that the term dominion that that whole little section of verses really talks more about tending Mm. than ruling. Mm -hmm. So it's more about looking after being a caretaker than laying down rules and exploiting. Um, And then there are lots of other places um, in Deuteronomy, Leviticus, uh, in the old Testament, where it talks about, very specific things that humans are not supposed to do. Um, You know, don't treat the animals badly, don't overuse the land, so on and so forth. And then in the New Testament, it is made clear that the Christ is the Lord, not only of people, but of all creation. And so the promises of redemption apply not just to human beings, but to everything. Mm -hmm.
0: So is that a uh, is is there a a flattening out of of that which Christ has not dominion? I I, that's the word that's stuck in my head now. But I guess um, the way that I'm thinking of the way that you just described it, it's we are we are in a position to to care for. Yeah. Um. it, It does does discipleship go beyond that? I mean, is 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 there a leveling out of of the care? Taker and that which they're caring for, insofar as, um, I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I'm just trying oh, to. Oh, ha- are yeah. you are
1: you sort of getting at like whether we are if all species are equal? I don't thing?
0: know. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. Yeah, so I'm thinking of in in my own field, you know, we have um, sort of uh, uh, this notion of of posthumanism, right? And and yeah. and the way that it gets carried about by a lot of scholars in composition studies is they're resistant to the idea of a lot of the work that I do, which is on reflection because they see that, that solipsism, that focus on human agency as being primary and most important as being potentially hazardous to the biophysical world that we occupy, right? That if we're so okay. self-centered right. uh, and so what they want to, they want to introduce or, or suggest is a sort of a leveling out, right? Um, that, that, you know, we are, um, you know, well, you brought up Scott before before I started, you know, recording here. But you know that we have uh, uh, um, an ethical obligation to materials and animals and things like that, not just because we're caretakers for them, but because they have their own type of agency. Yeah, must be respected. And I, di- I wasn't sure if that was that was coming out in in your notion. That's or, certainly
1: or... part of the conversation. Yeah. Um. My own view is that. It's a little bit like with vegetarianism, where people respond by saying, You know, am I supposed to never eat another drop of milk? And I want to say, We aren't anywhere near that. That's like advanced graduate work. We're at the point wh- where, Can you give up a hamburger once a week? Yeah. You know, and I see sort of that way in terms of species relationships. I mean, we're so far from worrying about. You know what we do with crickets mm-hmm. let's let's take little steps first. Um, so is your work
0: um, sort of prescriptive and and oh yeah, yeah, okay, <laughs> cool that's neat I, I, so I mean I not not writing or reading much in 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 your field that's that's neat to know so it's it's you're offering a suggestion you're you're and you're making a case for how folks ought to imagine. Yeah their relationship with the biophysical around them. That's really neat. Um, And then of course that would be competing against other prescriptions and whatnot. I like the idea of, you know, like pragmatic incrementalism, like let's worry about, yeah, let's worry about not eating a hamburger. Let's, you know, before we start talking about, uh, you know, worrying about the crickets and things like, although, I mean, I have, I have two young, young boys. Right. And I, you know, I know probably with your own children, you experience this as well. I mean, the care that they have for, all all creatures great and small, right? They're, they're little James Harriets walking around in the world. Are they? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Oh, that's lovely. Well, so, I mean, we have, the littlest one has, has an issue with ants, um, which, you know, that's fine. Uh, But the, but the, the older one, he's seven and, but he is, he's just sort of a, he has such compassion and, 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 and and heart for all of these little creatures such that like, we can't swat flies in the house. We have to sort of open the door and usher them out. And of course, as you usher the one fly out, four of his brothers come in and hang out. Yes.
1: Yes. So,
0: um, but I, so it actually makes a lot of sense then, because one of the questions that I wanted to ask you, also in your bio, it indicates that you rescue cats. Is that something that you still do, or is that... I do. Yeah?
1: I do. In fact, I've been doing more of it since I've been uh, home in the last few months.
0: Yeah, we, we actually just adopted a kitty. Um, you Yeah, so we had a, a you know, sad, sad to say, we had a kitty that, that passed away about a month ago, and so oh. we were all feeling a little, a little blue about it. Um, and so we ended up just, you know, adopting a kitty and I tell you what, yeah, it was hard. We had to go to, uh, Highland County to, to find a kitty that was, we were able to adopt because the, well, we wanted to get a kitten because we have another, we have an adult
1: cat. Yeah.
0: And we thought it would be easier to introduce a kitten.
1: Yeah.
0: Adult cat to introduce another. And plus you know, plus the boys wanted a kitten, right? Yeah. <laughs> they they, right. they weren't they weren't content with these these boring old adult cats where they just yeah. sit around. They wanted something that was, but so where do you fall on the great uh, cat dog divide? Are you uh, are you staunchly a, a cat person, or do you do you have love in your heart for both both
1: creatures? I I reject many binaries, and that's one of them. Okay. Um, I am I'm less experienced with dogs. My dad was deathly allergic to dogs. Um, I would happily have dogs in the house. We had one, and she had a pretty awful, lengthy end of life. And it's my hard. family is very resistant to the idea of getting another dog. Yeah. So. Um,
0: well, and and I mean the difference between how cats go and how dogs go is I mean cats are at least the cats that I've experienced. You know, I, I grew up on a farm. The cats would sort of like. Sh- walk away and be like all right leave me alone i'm out of here and dogs are just pathetic i mean it's it's sad but it's also they 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 can wear their their pain on their sleeves so to speak so that
1: was certainly true of of ours yeah
0: yeah well, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, this is a bummer. We talked about my cat dying and your dog dying. Out. Well,
1: what I will tell you is, is the next time, you know, if if you are shopping for a feline, let me know.
0: Oh, okay, uh, all right. So you've got the. You, I'll, I'll I'll trade you the hookup on the chalk and the the dry erase markers if you can get us a cat. So that that works. All right. Cause
1: I work with Cats Cradles, so. Uh,
0: oh, nice. Yeah, that was we yeah. we had had been talking with them a little bit, and that yeah. they were they had mostly adult cats, so. Uh, well, well,
1: now we've got—we are overrun with kittens. So,
0: oh, all right. Uh oh, we might—we might be in the. We might have to get another kitten because we got two boys. We got one kitten and two boys. I don't know how it's gonna. Oh, that's it's gonna, hard. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. And so, I've got we also. Sp- we did. We uh, we got some rats too recently. Um, On purpose. Yeah. 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 It was, uh, this was my first my first foray into rodent ownership.
1: Were these um, from uh, Ben's house?
0: Ben, who has ben. rats? Ben Albers? Yes. No, no, we, um, I didn't, I learned that a rattery is a thing, <laughs> but I, who knew, right? Um, and so we, we found a rattery and we, uh, they had, they had a litter of rats. Uh, so we got their little, they were teeny tiny little baby rats and they, they get big pretty quickly, but they're just sweet as sweet can be. You wouldn't expect it. Um, we were, we were cautioned against, adopting rats from a pet store um that it would apparently they they're very antisocial and they get a little cranky and they you know they never they don't tame very easy but if you get them when you when you get them young from the rattery laura <laughs> and i'm sure ben would tell you all about this too so yeah so we have we have three new little little rat brothers and a and a, a little kitten sister and it's we're just turning it into a menagerie in the hamilton household okay so um, so here's a question that I've been asking everybody. I'm I'm very interested in your answer to this one. What is an album that you think everybody should listen to?
1: Oh, I'm absolutely the wrong person to ask.
0: Oh, um, no. <laughs> where, where does the joy in your life come from, if not from music, Laura? Books. Oh, all right. That's fair.
1: Well, I mean, I listen to music, but I never know what I'm listening to. Um, let me think. There was a group, I don't even know if they're still in existence, called Zat Mama.
0: Okay. Zat Mama. All right.
1: Zat Mama. And uh, their stuff was really cool and very different and sort of African. Nice. Um, cool. So All right. I'd go for that. Um, I also like Chanticleer, which is a, a gay men's acapella group. Nice. Cool.
0: These are, I like the fact that I've asked that question now of all of the people that I've talked to, nary a one of them has given me anything close to the same answer. A couple of people <laughs> like, you know, and it's just, I love, I love people who, whose whose life is lived in their minds because they, you know, I, I feel like if, if, if we do listen to music, it tends to be all over the place. So it's great. So, um, are you familiar given your, your background and, and your role in the philosophy and religion department here and your background and experiences with, uh, uh, with ecology and ethics. Are you familiar with Donald Davidson's Swamp Man philosophy problem? Um,
1: I know the problem in um, the ship version.
0: Okay, yeah, so the, the, the ship of Theseus version. So that's one of my, I like to, to tell that to my students, but you know, I figured a Swamp Man might be uh, uh, a better, better suited for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay it out, and then I want to hear your thoughts on it. Uh, suppose I go hiking in the swamp and I'm struck and killed by a bolt of lightning. And at the same time, nearby in the swamp, another bolt of lightning spontaneously rearranges a bunch of molecules such that entirely by coincidence, they take on exactly the same form that my body had at the moment of my untimely death. This being, whom Donald Davidson terms swamp man, has, of course, a brain which is structurally identical to that which I held um, and will thus presumably behave exactly as I would have. He will walk out of the swamp, return to my office at Bridgewater College, write the same essays that I would have written, interact like an amicable person with all of my friends and family, interview colleagues on Zoom and so forth. So is Swamp Man the same as me? Is it? Are, are they identical beings?
1: Do Does the new you remember being the old you? So if That's- it was... A, Locke's question.
0: Right, right. So I don't know. So if it's if looking at the language, now the, the language is from Donaldson's essay. It says instantaneously and spontaneously. So at the, sa- at the same moment. So I wouldn't have a memory of that moment, right? Because it, no. be, it would be a moment. And so I but- guess I wouldn't know. I would just be suddenly in a different part of the swamp.
1: okay. So you would remember all the essays that you'd already written.
0: Right. Yes. Yeah. So I would be structurally this. I would I would, I would retain the memories.
1: Okay. Then I would be inclined to say, yes, it is the same swamp man.
0: And something about memories is the, is the, the, the key well, for because
1: you. You aren't just your body, your experience, you are your experiences in your body. Right. And if those haven't disappeared, I mean, if you still, you know, to put it in Christian terms, do you still bear the scars of your crucifixion, as it were, Um, your swamp of fiction? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, are your behaviors still shaped by your previous experiences? Then I would say, (laughs) how could you not be the same person?
0: That's that's Humean almost. It's a bundle of... of
1: it is, although Hume would say, no, You're. I think he would say, you're never the same person. We just right. attribute that to you.
0: You remember. Now,
1: there's a, there's yeah, go a ahead. documentary called, hmm, I forget, um, <laughs> about a British guy, a young British guy who completely lost his memory on the subway one time. Mm-hmm. And... Ended up in the, well, first the police, because nobody knew what to do with him, and then the hospital. And then it took a long, long time for anyone to figure out who he was. And it seemed to become, the sort of theory was that he'd had such a traumatic reaction to the death of his mother, which had Mm -hmm. just happened, that he just went into whatever it's called, traumatic amnesia. Mm -hmm. What's interesting is that in the documentary it becomes clear that his personality is different
0: Hmm.
1: and he, I mean, he doesn't remember the old him at all, but family members, once they finally find him, they say, yeah, he's a different guy.
0: Hmm. Hmm.
1: And so even though there wasn't any other kind of brain injury, something, you know that's a question is he the same person yeah cuz he doesn't have the memories he has what i think they call operational memory he can still do the stuff he could do right but he doesn't remember that old family
0: does he have memory back to the point when he lost it so yeah. can he no so it's so he has no ability to to generate new long term
1: um, no, I think now he can, he can't. Okay. But everything prior to that event is interesting. Gone. And yeah. is
0: that a, phys- was there a, there a, a an attending physiological change like to the structure of his brain or was this,
1: um, at some, some were- point he just said, I'm tired of being tested by doctors huh. and quit huh. they kept sort of, you know, because it was so such an interesting case, they kept trying to figure things out and he just ultimately said, you know, I'm not unhealthy. I'm walking away.
0: I wonder if that might have contributed to the newness of his new personality. You know, Cause it because presumably the oldness of his old personality would have been not one that was tested all of the time and poked and prodded and asked that's, to remember things.
1: That's a good point.
0: Hmm. Well, and that's, that's the, the, what is it? Uh, Heraclitus, right? Heraclitus, Heraclitus, Heraclitus. the, the, yeah. the steps in the same river twice. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, or or and actually that, and so this begs begs the question, you I mean you, you talked about the ship of Theseus, right? So if if I am a different or if I am the same swamp man because of, of memories, does that make something which does not have the ability to retain memories like a ship, like an object, a material? Does that material become a new material with every attending physical change? Or like like does does the yeah, sorry, go ahead. The
1: identity of a ship is just a label we put on it. I don't know that a ship really has an identity of its own.
0: What about... <laughs> All right, so whatever this guy's name was in the, in the documentary.
1: We'll yeah. Call him,
0: we'll call him Jim, right? Okay. Jim has a ship, <laughs> right? And then he loses his memory. Totally, for, for oh, this. Oh, here's
1: trip. another album for you. Law, love Lovett. Okay. Uh,
0: yeah, if I, if if I, I had, I had a horse. Pony, yeah, I'd ride, ride boat, it on a boat. I'd ride yeah. my
1: pony on my boat.
0: There you go. Good. <laughs> all right. Well, I, we're getting far in the weeds here. I don't know how many philosophy problems we can stack on top of each other. So, uh, All right. Well, your turn. You asked me a question. And it can't have anything to do with Swamp Men or Boats or Lyle Lovett because I don't have the hairstyle for Lyle Lovett anymore. Didn't he have that like pompadour?
1: Yeah. Focus? Yeah. Um what kind of what do you like to read for fun?
0: In this well so I have I have seasons of reading these days. Um right now the summer seasons I always read biographies and histories. I like big wow. monstrous, you know, so I I I just well l- read or listen to. I just finished listening to um, a biography on Franklin and Eleanor Roosevelt.
1: Hmm. Um,
0: and now I have an answer to my question, who was my favorite president? It was Eleanor Roosevelt was my favorite president. That, she was awesome.
1: She um, was pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, I mean, just, uh, so it was the the Doris Kearns Goodwin biography of the two of them. I think it was like No Ordinary Time, but it was mm-hmm. excellent. I, stri- I highly recommend it.
1: Is that the one on which the PBS series is based?
0: I didn't know there was a PBS series. It probably oh, yeah. would be. Yeah. It's
1: called Eleanor and Franklin and it's been running recently but I never managed to get it in order. So it's always a little confusing. <laughs> well, you know
0: how it's going to end in, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, but first it's he's not... sitting and then he's walking and then <laughs> <laughs> he can... Well,
0: he, he wa- that was the thing that I didn't realize is that he had he he walked. I mean, he he, he would, you know, in, later on in life when he was he was weakened by, you know, by age and by right. by by illness but he would still put on braces to deliver stump speeches. Yeah. And I thought that was fascinating, you know, that there was this, uh, uh, you know, they were taught, they were in the, in the biography, they were talking about a moment where he, it was one of his, his addresses in front of the joint sessions. And, and he, he sat, he it was in, in a wheelchair and he was wheeled up onto a little dais. And it was the, the first time in his presidency. And it was like three quarters of the way through his third term where he acknowledged his, his disability and it was this huge moment and he got a huge ovation for it. And, and he did it in sort of this this disarmingly charming way, which apparently was. So that was I mean, I knew I knew Franklin Delano Roosevelt occupied a space in my brain as this larger than life person. And Eleanor did as well. Um, but to, to sort of to get the details of their relationship, I, I told my wife, I said, if we ever go into politics, which, of course, we can't. Um, if we ever go into politics, I want that that type of relationship, With, without all the affairs, without all the tawdry. You know, we just you just be a good instigator, <laughs> yeah. or so. Yeah, right. Yeah. But um, and then you know, so I, I I I like biographies, I like histories during the summer months. I think that it's it's calming in some mm. ways. Mm. Um, I like to look at you know, particularly histories of, of you know either interesting people that I like and admire. Last summer, I read em- one of Emerson's biographies. Um, or time periods that were particularly uh, uh, hard, right? So um, I, I like to read a lot of biographies about this, or uh, histories about the Civil War, or the Reconstruction era, um, or, you know, early 20th century. And then in the, I try to always maintain a, a good work of fiction, um, sort of consistently. Uh, uh, and I, I have been part of a long-standing book club with some of my friends from back in Pittsburgh, yeah. Uh, where we cycle through and, and the only rule is that it has to be an author that we've never read. Um, and a book obviously that we've never read. Uh, but then, you know, that, that we've, we've had a, some good luck, some, you know, we've, we've got some good, uh, we read, let's see, wizard of, the, was it wizard of the crow? I think it was Ngugi Wathiango, He's a Kenyan writer. Oh. That was one of the most recent ones. It was excellent. Um, Brief history of seven killings, Marlon, uh, Marlon James. It's a Jamaican American Anyway, so that's I always try to keep some good, you know, a a good steady stream of fiction writing because I think you know. Otherwise, I'm reading, you know, here's 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 my research right now, Laura. I'm reading uh, Social Foundations of Thought and Action: A Social Cognitive Theory by Albert Bandura. Right, and I it you know I go a little I go a little cross-eyed if I get stuck totally in yeah.
1: Probably doesn't have many pictures.
0: No, no, it has it has some charts and graphs, some figures. So, but it's all right. So, how about you? What are you? uh, What what is your reading? You said that that was you. You prefer reading them to listening to music. So, what do you read? And what's um, a, and I'll reframe the question. What's a book that you think everybody should read?
1: Oh, um, I'm so bad with names. The Aguero sisters, and the author is Cuban American. And it's a book about two sisters who were separated in the Cuban revolution. Oh, cool. And then are eventually reunited. And it's a wonderful look at sort of the contrast between a society where um, in Cuba, you couldn't buy anything because there was nothing to buy. Mm
0: -hmm. In
1: America, there's everything to buy except only if you have money. Mm -hmm. And then also conflicting understandings of um, biodiversity and abundance. And Mm. it's plus it's got magical realism and it's just, it's, it's, it's oodles of fun.
0: Nice. So I'll
1: have to remember the author and send it to you.
0: All right. That'd be great. Yeah. I always, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm reading, is it Isaac Denison's, uh Out of Africa right now?
1: Oh, that's a good book.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm enjoying it. But you know, I, I'm I'm coming up on the end here, and I I haven't yet sort of set up the the next the next read. Um, I can't I can't determine if it's going to be a, a a big history or if it's going to be another work of fiction. But we'll see. But yeah, that's I, I would love that. I love magic realism. That was that's the if you like magic realism and you like that sort of um, you know the fabulistic quality of magic realism. I would, I would say that the Ngovi Wathiango book, the um, Wizard of the Crow that I said earlier, that would, I would recommend that
1: one. So I'll put it on my list. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, thank you very much for being present today, Laura. I always enjoy talking with you and I look forward to seeing you again soon. What parting words would you like to offer
1: to everybody? Well, we're in a tough time. Um, And I guess don't, I just try to tell myself we aren't responsible for fixing the whole world, but we are responsible for getting off our butts and doing something.
0: I like that. And I, I shall, I shall do that now. I shall get off my butt and I shall go fix something. Fortunately, it's just my, my washing machine, but so
1: (laughs) that's important.
0: Exactly. So, well, thank you very much, Laura. I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Bye.